0: Well, again, uh, good morning, and we do. Our, we are so grateful that you have chosen to be with us this morning on a beautiful morning, which seems to be a rare commodity these days. Um, but it is great to see you here, and we know that you are working with us via these virtual platforms, and um, it's just a beautiful day, and as we um, offer these prayers, our prayers over these shawls and blankets, you know, it kind of reminded me of... Um, of a little bit what's been going on in the Boykin household um, over this pandemic year. As Leanne has picked up crocheting again, um, she began to pass some of her time um, in the evening while we watched TV and talk, and she would crochet. And she began by crocheting these little, to kind of get back into the rhythm of it, crocheting these little potholders and cloths, and those grew into... Um, the, desi- the desire to crochet a blanket. So she was going to crochet a, a lap blanket, and now our dog has a couple of lap blankets. <laughs> Wonderful, comfortable, he loves them. And then she decided she wanted to make Jess a blanket. So she began the process of gathering the yarn and began to crochet this blanket. And she was... Working through, the, she was doing it, I, I, you know, I just kind of watch, I have no idea what's going on. Um, it's like watching somebody make a rocket engine, I mean, they're just working. Um, but she's, you know, crocheting away, and, and then there was a panel that was done, and I'm like, huh, oh, look at that. And so the next few nights, or maybe a week goes by, and there's another panel, another panel was done, a different color panel. And then she goes, and then she started laughing, I'm like, what? What what gives with the blanket? And she held them up, and, and and the one the first panel was really long, and the second panel was about this long. And she goes, I don't understand. It's the same number of 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 stitches. It's the same number. I counted them. I said, Well, maybe it's a different knot, or I don't know, but something's not right. And so she began to. De- de- deconstruct this blanket. And so this, this one panel becomes, comes apart and it's just a mess of, 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 of a plate of spaghetti on the floor of yarn because she has to go in and, and, and redo it and restart. And then she, she redoes the blanket and then it matches up and then she does another, another panel and it matches up and another and it matches up. And now there's a, there, a, a, a full size crocheted blanket or yeah and it's it's beautiful and it's it's kind of the perfect weight. it feels good I want to take it but I I can't Uh, but but I, I think about the effort and the energy that went into crocheting this blanket and she she loves her children and she wanted to do something for them something gracious and loving for them to to show them, to kind of reveal to them something they already know, that that they're loved. And so one of our children, they have a blanket and another one is gonna receive a blanket in the near future. I don't know that I will, the dog has one. (laughs) So maybe, I don't know. Um, But there's something in this whole process of laying out this intent and laying out this purpose and having a goal in mind and then wanting to share that with someone you love. That speaks a lot to our Lenten season this year. Think about what goes in to making that blanket. What goes in to a gift or a service or a word that you offer someone you love? There's an intention there's a purpose and a goal to grow and develop that relationship, to make it as strong as you can make it, to make it as full as we can make it. That, that's happening with God and with humanity, with us. And we have, a, we have numerous, probably countless ways of talking about these relationships that we have with one another and we, we, we have with God. But the scripture uses a specific language throughout. In the Old Testament, it is clear. It's covenant. This language of covenant is important. Now, we don't use covenant language like we have, like like they did in the Old Testament. They did in Jesus' time. It, It was probably a little more familiar, used a little more Often, we don't now outside of real estate, I don't know where it's used. And when I think about real estate and covenants, I go back to my, my parents bought a house in 1984 and this brand new development. They were the first house, the third house, and a rather large development. And so in 1984, they bought this house, and, and it, it, there's a homeowners association. And it has all these covenants and restrictions, all these stipulations and requirements. To live in the neighborhood, to, to purchase property, and to, to build a house in this neighborhood, you have to follow all of these restrictions, all this covenant language. And, and, it, and it dictates how large the house has to be, what the architectural requirements are, what the, the purposes of the property, the, the fence line, how can, what kind of fence can you even have in this neighborhood? You can't have a chain link fence. That's a no-no. You have to have a wooden fence. And what kind of what kind of animals will you have on this property? Can't have cows, can't have sheep. Sorry, Lee. No no sheep, no goats, no chickens. But you can have horses. You can have dogs. But they can't run free. So you have to have a fence. And all the the outbuildings, like garages and barns and and, and workshops, well, they they have requirements too, and and it's all stipulated in this homeowners association and these covenants, and and I and I think about them going into this arrangement and agreeing and obeying this, these stipulations. And then I think about their good friend who bought a piece of property in that same neighborhood. He built this wonderful large house, met all the requirements. And then he started to to build a barn, a large, grand, beautiful barn. And he had these these doors on, these garage doors, you know, roll-up doors. And, and, and two of them were huge. Well, the president of the Homeowners Association approached him and said, I'm just curious, what do you... What are you going to do with this? What's going to go on in here? Why, why, why do you have to have this barn? Why does it have to be so big? And, and what, do you, what are you going to keep in there you need doors like this? Well, Mr. Council wasn't having any of this. He, he, he knew what he wanted to do. He didn't think it was anybody else's business what he did in his barn or what he kept in his barn. And so he told the president, he says, well... I read over the restrictions. I read over the covenants. And it says nothing about camels. And he just let it lie. So, it makes me think about covenants. And how humanity, how we are, we are really good at pushing against the boundaries we can, we, we'll find, as young, young children, we're searching for the boundaries. What are the limitations? And how far can we push until they break? And we're good at breaking them. Oh, we're very good at breaking the boundaries and breaking covenants. We've been doing it since creation. But these covenants, this idea of covenant it does help set the boundaries. It sets parameters. It lets us know what the intentions are, what the purposes are, what the goals are. And for God, that's very important. And that's why the Scriptures use this covenantal language. Because it's a promise. It's a promise that God initiates, and God remembers, and God keeps. And we have our role in it. Our our role in the covenant is to obey. That's our response. To believe and obey. Like I said, we're really good at breaking covenants. And our in this sermon series, we're going to talk a lot about covenants. We're going to make our way through the Scriptures, talking about the different covenants and, and how that relates to our relationship with one another and to God. And today we want to talk about Noah's covenant, the, God, the, the covenant that God made with Noah. And we find this in chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. And the, the Scriptures are printed in your, in your bulletin if you want to follow along. Genesis 9, verses 8 through 17, kind of sets up the establishment The initiation of this covenant by God and with Noah and with all humanity. The scriptures read, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this is a familiar story. This is kind of wrapping up that familiar story of Noah's flood. You know, if you go back to chapter 6 in Genesis, Noah is living in a corrupt age. He is living in a time when humanity has completely forgotten that it was created in the image of God and has become violent, corrupt, broken, and sinful to the point that God says to God's self, I regret ever even creating humanity. And God thinks to God's self, maybe I'll just destroy the whole thing. Maybe I'll just deconstruct all that has been brought to order. And maybe I'll just let chaos reign. And he speaks to Noah. And Noah hears and listens. And God tells Noah to build an ark. To build an ark on a sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. No signs of rain, no signs of any deluge or flood, but he builds the ark. And when the rains begin to fall and the flood begins to overwhelm the earth, Noah and his family climb inside and shut the door, or God shuts the door, and they survive, they're saved as a remnant for all humanity and all creation. So for 40 days and for 40 nights the rains fall and the flood overwhelms the earth. And as they float and drift eventually dry land begins to separate the waters and the ark rests on dry ground. And when God says it's safe to come out, Noah and his family come out and offer a thanksgiving sacrifice to God. And God smells the sacrifice and it is pleasing to him. And that's where we find this passage. We find this passage where God has been pleased by the reaction, the response of Noah to be grateful for God's saving act, redeeming act for creation. And that's when God tells Noah, I will establish a covenant between me and you and all of your descendants, all of humanity. Now and forevermore will water never destroy all flesh. You see, in this story, the scriptures are recalling what happens in Genesis chapter 1. That's how I see it. With Noah and his generation... We're told that they were corrupt. They were violent. They had pushed the boundaries to the point of breaking. And God regretted. And grieved creating them. Because it wasn't his intention. It wasn't his purpose or his goal. To have a violent humanity. A violent chaotic creation. Fighting amongst itself, within itself, destroying itself. His creation was intended to be good. Its purpose was peace. Its goal was a relationship with God, the creator, and that had been lost, and so he began to deconstruct all that had been created, but he gave humanity a second chance. And he placed Noah and his family in the ark. He placed humanity in the ark. And that remnant is our second chance. It's creation's second chance. In this flood, in this story of the deluge, it's, it's like chaos. like God who came in, in chapter 1, verse 1 and, and following and hovered over the waters. That watery chaos and created everything out of nothing, who brought order out of chaos, used nature and the chaos, that primordial chaos that existed before, and let it overrun the order. It became a weapon, a weapon of destruction. God was continuing to deconstruct what had gone wrong so he could give us and humanity and creation a second chance. And when he had done this, when he had wiped the slate clean and brought brought order back out of chaos... He sets up this covenant. He establishes, he initiates, he remembers, and he keeps a covenant that's about love. It has an, an intention and a purpose and a goal that's about goodness. It's about peace. And it's about a loving relationship with God and with one another. So just like Leanne deconstructed that shawl to begin again, she kept the remnant. God deconstructed creation, but he kept the remnant. And as she recrocheted that blanket to make it whole, to meet its intentions, to meet its purpose, to meet its goal, God does the same thing. And he reminds us with this covenantal language Of his intention for us, and his purpose for us, and his goal for us. In this story, we find that we are important to God. So important that he saved us from utter destruction, our own self initiated destruction. He chose to keep us, to give us that second chance. That He can show us and reveal to us His intention and His purpose and His goal which is for us to be good to be at peace and to be in love with God and with one another. Because in chapter 1 of Genesis that's how He created us. He created us in God's own image. And this deconstruction of the flood and this reconstruction through Noah is God's way of saying you're going to meet my purpose and I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the parameters. I'm going to give you the boundaries. And I'm going to remember them. And I'm going to keep them even when you don't. That's a powerful thing for us. And my hope for us this day and throughout Lent is that we will that we will find we will find our place our place and our purpose in the relationship with God. And perhaps through this covenant language, we can begin to reclaim this understanding that we are created in God's image to create and to redeem and sustain all that God has given us with all that God has blessed us. That's my hope for this Lent. That's my hope for every day. That God will continue to reveal to us his love and grace for us, our second chances to be in relationship with him and with one another. That as we push against the boundaries, we find ourselves pushing towards God with one another to find love, to find grace, and to find peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite us to stand as we are able for our affirmation of faith. It is printed in your order of worship.
1: I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Well, we hope that if you would like to come back in person next week, that you will reserve your spot or, again, worship with us virtually. We are so grateful for all of you and for this opportunity to be together and worship each week. So let us receive now this benediction. May you go from this time in this space to be covenant people who represent the image of God in the world. Go in peace. Amen.